Kingdom Talks is about information for transformation, where we provide biblical insight for our day-to-day -day living. So today we're going to hear from uh, a servant of God and also a man with multiple talents. And um, Dr. Denny, can you briefly introduce yourself to the audience? Wow. Uh, I'm a Jamaican that lives in London. Been here now for 50 years or so. Uh, married 38 years next month. Congrats. Two beautiful daughters. Wow. And six lovely grandchildren. But what I am is a Bible teacher. That's my calling. And uh, we can talk about my Bible school um, later in this conversation and the churches and all the different things I do. By background in terms of career, I'm a business and marketing specialist. And that's been my um, career for 30 years or so. So I know you talk about um, kingdom principles and using those things um, in the workplace and in life generally. And so that's rightly in tune with how I believe things should be for the believer. So I'm glad to be in your program today. Glad to meet you also. Thank you. Thank you. Um, before we proceed, I usually like to our guests to share with us their salvation experience because everybody, how they came, give their life to Jesus is very unique. And I would love to hear how you came to, to believe in Jesus? Well, I grew up in Jamaica until I was eight years old. And I went to church with my grandmother, um, not willingly. <laughs> I didn't want to go. Uh, I wanted to be out in the fields playing football or cricket, as it was then, uh, with my uncles and the elder brothers and so on. But she kept me going to church. So um, from an early stage, I knew that God was real. I definitely was not an atheist. I knew that God was actually a living being. Hmm. But the thing was that through my life until the age of 16, I never wanted to become a Christian. No Christian that I saw, I would admire. I would never want to, my catchphrase in life was, I never want to live my life out of a book. Hmm. And that book means in the Bible. So I wanted to do what I want, live how I wanted, go where I wanted, and basically being my own man. Nothing religious whatsoever. In fact, the idea of being a Christian was very, very awful to me. It sounded so bad. It was highly distasteful. And I nearly had a fight with somebody because he was telling me that I'm going to go to church one day, be a Christian like my brother. And I was telling him, no, no way under the sun. I'm not going to do this. But he was insistent and I would. <laughs> I don't know what got into him that day, but he was very insistent. So I, I held him up, fist ready to punch him in his face. And I said, you better stop talking this stuff or I, I'm going gonna, gonna to punch you. And uh, forward a little bit, that same person was at my baptism. Hmm. So how the Lord managed to save somebody like me who had no interest in God whatsoever was the fact that my elder brother was getting married. And in fact, he was getting married to the assistant pastor's daughter. And as it happens when people get married, the two families come together. So I went with my elder brother to the house of um, his future wife's parents. And they were all Christians. 
and I spent the entire day with them and looking at these people thinking I've never met people like this before. These people are strange. They, there was something about them. There was a, a peace, a serenity. I mean, they weren't doing anything in particular, but they just looked so joyful and happy. I mean, we'd watch a movie together, we had dinner together, and everything was nice, but it was just something about them. Their character was different. So, at the end of it all, we're getting ready to go home now. The mother, who is the, the assistant, mother, pastor, who is assistant pastor, she said, oh, she wouldn't said, it be nice if, a, nice if a, you know, a nice young man like you would like give the life to Jesus. Jesus? And I thought, oh, no. Thought, oh, no. <laughs> this is ruining the day. Ruining the day. Mm. Up until now, I was Up happy. Now, Everything was, was good. Happy. Good food. Good, 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 conversations, good conversations. Watching TV. Watching TV. And now she's talking and Christian she's stuff. Talking Christian stuff. So I didn't want to hear any of it, but I had to listen politely. And she said, you know, would you come church and so on? So she's inviting me. And I wouldn't say yes or no. If I said yes, I'd be lying. Because I knew I wasn't going. So on the way home with my brother, I was thinking about the day and how nice it was and so on. And I decided that as a thank you to her for open up her home, the hospitality was so wonderful that she um, she deserved me going and my presence would say thank you. So the, son, the next Sunday came, I went to church with my brother and no intention of going to church, just physically being there. And so I, I sat down, church service was going on, didn't mean much to me. I was in my own world. Sundays was always my day for football with my friends in the park or cricket or riding my bike with my, my crew, as we call it then. And then suddenly I am in church on a Sunday. Well, it's all right. It's only a one-off. I'll be back playing football next Sunday. So I went through this service. I can't remember anything particular about it. But during the course of the week, I said, you know what? I think I'll go to church again. I didn't even know why, but I went to church again. And then the following week, oh, I feel like going again. And I had no idea why I was feeling to go to church. But I wasn't going to church because I love God. I wasn't going because I wanted to seek his face, to worship, none of those things. I just felt like I, I should go. So I went. And over the course of several weeks, hearing the word of God, when the preacher is praying, and especially when he gave the altar call, I felt such a pull in my heart, a desire to go and surrender my life to Christ. But this is nothing I ever wanted, so I resisted. And the next Sunday I come, and another pulling, another pulling. And it just became stronger and stronger until I felt, okay, I will go to the altar and let them pray for me. But I'm a shy person. I can't go first. Because everybody is going to be looking at me. The spotlight is on me at the altar. So I wouldn't go. Someone has to go first. And so somebody did. And so there was only one person. And then two, three, four come. And so I had no more excuse. But I still fight against it. I held myself and said, you know, I mean, bodily, hold myself. No, 
I'm, I'm resisting. I don't want to go. <laughs> and then when the altar call was finished, it was like, oh, it was like a relief because that pull and that fight, that resistance had stopped. But the next Sunday, back in church, next altar call, it started again. And this resistance in me saying, I know I don't want to go. And eventually, I just couldn't take it anymore. I said, Lord, I'm going. And I went to the altar and I knelt down and I said, Lord, I give you my life. I will serve you. And from that day till now, and that was 1979, that's about March 79, till now, I've been following the Lord. Never gone back one day. I have no idea what it means to backslide. Hmm. I've just loved God all the, all the way. Wow. And he has kept me all this time. So that's, that's my journey. And the thing was, my life catchphrase, which was, I don't want to live my life out of a book. It so happened that the Lord's destiny for me was that I would live my life out of this book. And I would also teach this book. He's <laughs> called me to be a Bible teacher. So I'm actually teaching this book. question that I want to ask you regarding your call as a teacher sometimes we see the Bible as a religious book that is why most people do not consult the Bible when it comes to other essential areas of your life people think that the Bible cannot speak to their business for instance the Bible doesn't have enough information to speak to their career the Bible cannot speak to let's say raising their children but one thing I know, when you are a Bible teacher or a Bible student, you will discover that the Bible touches on all these essential aspects of our lives. Well, I, I presume we're talking about a Christian because the, the sinner, the man in the world won't be reading the Bible. Okay. But for, for Christians, um, I can't literally, I can't understand why somebody who's a follower of Christ, who calls himself a Christian, will not be studying God's word. For a start, it's not a suggestion. It's an instruction that we should study to show our, ourselves approved unto God. So Bible study and knowing what the Bible teaches, what God has to say about our lives is crucial because how on earth am I supposed to live a way that pleases God and to know his will if I don't go in his word? So when you say the Bible is a religious book, yes, it's a religious book, but it's more than just religion. Or you, because the Bible has instructions, the Bible has an answer to every single area of our lives. You mentioned some of them. So in your career, in your business, in your family, you as a parent, you as a husband or a wife, as a neighbor to other people, as an employee at the workplace, as a business owner, employing staff, how you, how you live and interact with people at the gym, in the supermarket, on the street, in the train, in the bus, anywhere we go, whoever we meet, God's word governs every aspect of our life. In the smallest detail, 
to the biggest aspect of life. And that's what the word of God does. There is no answer outside of the word of God. Mm. It's all within the God's word. Yeah. So unless we study it and know what it says, we will never know how to please God. Mm. We will never know how to live. Because the word of God is that which we have to abide by to please him. And if we don't do that, it's either ignorance because we don't study it or it's disobedience, meaning we know it, but we don't do it. Hmm. Yeah, that, that, as one prophet said, it is the word of God is more than my necessary food. Somebody said, thy, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. Hmm. So for all of us who are believers, God's word has to shine the light at our feet to show us where to walk, mm. how to live, how to move, how to behave, how to act, how to think, mm. what our attitude should be. Because we grow up in a culture, whichever culture we grow up in, whatever country we come from, where the community values and the traditions and customs of that nation and our parents and you know, society in general and the media they will all influence our thinking. Hmm. So we have to have the Bible knowledge and principles so that we know God's thinking. Hmm. So we align our attitudes, our thoughts, the things we say and do hmm. based upon what God's word says. And we can never be able to do that unless hmm. we understand what the word says. And so for me, it's an instruction. It's not a piece of good advice that you must read the Bible. Mm. And in fact, I didn't say read the Bible. Paul, Paul says study, which means get your books, get your, note, get your notepad, get mm. your dictionary, get your concordance, mm. yeah, get your scriptures, and mm. you go through it and you study. I mean, hour, two hours, three hours, love it. Don't just read a couple of verses and then run through the door to start your day. I mean, Bible study should be a time where you set aside to examine God's word because it edifies us. It, it allows us to know God better and how to live and please him. Hmm. And it's supposed to be such a part of us. It's to be like the very air that we breathe. And so it's crucial. And so every believer must study God's word. And one of the things about the generation in which we live now which the Bible calls the last days, Christ himself said that one of the characteristics of these last days is deception, false prophets, false teachers coming upon the earth, right? Deceiving men. How are we to guard against deception? This is the first thing he said. Yeah? We know of wars and rumors of wars, distress of nations with perplexity. We know of famines and earthquakes. We know of all these different things. But the very first thing he said was, beware of false prophets. Mm. And Paul said it. Peter said it. John mm. said it. False teachers, false witnesses have gone out into the world. And mm. they come as, as um, wolves in sheep's clothing. Mm. And they come to deceive you, to corrupt mm. you, to make you lose your way. So how can we guard against that? Hmm. How can we make sure that we don't be taken in and hoodwinked and deceived by these people? It's by hmm. knowing God's word. Wow. Because when they start talking and they say such and such, 
you can say, no, that's not mm. what the Bible teaches. Mm. You will recognize the false when mm. you know the truth. Mm. But if you don't know the truth because you don't study God's word, the man who comes in his shining slick suit and his nice tie, and he looks very you know, charismatic, and he speaks well, you know, oh, what a powerful man of God. Able to quote scriptures, hmm. big church, lot of followers. He says certain things, and because he's got this big name and reputation, you say yes, amen, because you don't know any better. Hmm. We must be able to recognize when somebody speaks if it's in line with God's word. Hmm. Because if it's not in God's word, we don't say amen to it, we don't hmm. believe it. We don't drink it. We don't swallow it. We don't eat it. But we won't be able to be in that position if we don't know the truth of God's word. Because these people are very articulate. Yes. They can quote scripture more than me and you. And they will talk about all sorts of stuff and it sounds so convincing. Hmm. But it may be error. Biblical error. Hmm. And so the way not to be taken in by false teachers with their lives is to know what the Bible says. So mm. that when you know the truth, you will always recognize error when it comes. Mm. And that's what we have to be. And that's how we have to be as believers. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you so much for elaborating on the importance of, of, of the Bible. Um, I wanted to ask you another question because I've heard this statement from a man of God. He made a point that sometimes something might be spiritual but they're not biblical well <laughs> just because it seems spiritual it doesn't mean it's correct hmm. a lot of things that are spiritual are very incorrect are against what the bible teaches hmm. yeah so because they're spiritual and jumping up and doing stuff and if all oh, they're spiritual people no is what they are doing in line with what the bible teaches if it's not, then that spirituality means nothing. See, Moses was on top of the mountain. He went to get the Ten Commandments from God. Yes. And the people were, were down below. And they're waiting for him to come. Mm. A week passed, they didn't see Moses. Mm. Two weeks passed, they don't see him. Then again, three weeks passed, they don't see him. What's happened to him? Mm. And so while they were there, they think, well, we need to do something. And they decided to take um, metals, mm. gold from the people, and they made it into a golden calf. Mm, 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 and mm. they had that from Egypt mm. because the, the Egyptians worshipped the cow. Yeah. yeah. And so they worshipped the, the bulls, to be precise. Mm. It's part of their religion, part of their teaching. Mm. And so Israel, having remembered but the bull worship, Hmm. They decided to create bulls, make it as an image of a bull, shape hmm. it into a bull. And then they said, these are the gods that brought us out of Egypt. Hmm. Hmm. So they were being very spiritual. Hmm. They were dancing and chanting and doing stuff and carrying on and having some sort of religious service, hmm. celebrating these two man-made created bulls and said, these are the gods. Hmm. No gods because they made it themselves. Mm. So they were being very, very spiritual. But was it correct? Mm. Did God accept it? Mm. No. When Moses came down, 
he was shocked at what they were doing. He, he threw down the, the Ten Commandments and broke the, because they would have been judged by it and punished by it. So just because people are doing something that you can call spiritual, it doesn't mean it's in line with God's word. If it is not in line with God's word, we can reject it. Yeah, there's a lot of things in the churches today, and it's not just in Africa, but there's a lot of churches today who've got all sorts of different customs and practices and hand-me-down teachings through the generations mm. that's mixed up with paganism or different different spiritualist stuff, yeah. the tribal stuff, bush doctor stuff, yeah. all sorts of things that people have brought in and mixed with proper Christianity. Mm. And because people grow up now, don't know the origins, mm, don't mm. know where it comes from, oh they revel in it and think they're doing God a favor. Mm. They think they're doing right. So they might be spiritual with their activity mm. and in their praising God and in their singing of the songs. Mm. But because that is not biblical, mm. God does not accept it. Wow. And because God doesn't accept it, we shouldn't accept it either. It's mm. got, everything we do has to have a biblical foundation. Interesting. Wow. Without knowing what the Bible teaches, you believe something else that somebody says because he speaks it very clearly, he's very articulate, he can communicate well, so he's teaching you this or preaching that, and you don't know any better. You don't know your Bible. And so you take it and you say, yes, amen. So you are actually in the wrong. You are against God and what the Bible teaches but you don't know you're ignorant you're innocently doing this thing thinking you're pleasing God when you're far from God in that thing mm. yeah it, it, the, 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 the common one today is Christmas which has nothing to do with Jesus Christ it's a pagan festival that existed hundreds of years before Jesus was born Wow. Showing that there's nothing to do with him. Mm. But Christians today would fight and defend it, thinking that mm. this is about Jesus and his birth. Wow. And it's only because they're ignorant. They mm. don't know the origins of it, where it comes from. Mm. And sometimes you tell them, or oh, they're exposed to the truth, but because they love the life so much, they grew up with it as a child, and they love Christmas so much, it's in their mm. veins, they can't do without it. Mm. And so they think, oh, it's okay. It's all right. You know, God, God understands. No, God understands his word. And he's given us his commandments. And he expects us to be obedient to them. That's what Christ said. If you love me, keep my commandments. So don't tell me you love Jesus. And then don't keep his commandments. It doesn't work. You have to go God's way. And so because people are ignorant... They have this lack of knowledge. They just believe anything. Yeah. In the absence of the knowledge of the truth of God's word, in that vacuum, they believe anything that comes that, that's so incredible. Especially when it comes from certain, certain people in shiny suits who write books and you see them on TV and they have a big following and say, yeah, that must be a man of God. And all he has to do is to speak a few things that are true, quote a few scriptures, and say something about them that's true. And he gets people saying, yes, amen. 
and you're really behind him. So now when he slips in something false, slips in error, you don't recognize it. Because to you already, the man is credible, believable. And you're, you're in the yes, amen mode. Yes, amen. And you keep saying yes, amen for the, for the oh, next God. 20 minutes. And then on the 21st minute, he's slipping in the light. You don't see it. You don't recognize wow. it. You're just, you're just drinking everything the man's pouring out. Lack of knowledge will do that. Hmm. But in the, in the book of Acts, we heard about these Christians in Berea. Yeah. Doesn't matter who comes to town, the biggest preachers who come to town, they wouldn't just accept it. They would listen very carefully and respectfully, but then they would go and seek the scriptures for themselves to see whether or not those things that were preached was so. And if they go through the scriptures and find, yes, they're speaking in line with what the scriptures are, amen to it. We accept it. But they wouldn't accept it until they search the scriptures first to see whether or not that preacher is in line with what the Bible actually says and teaches. Wow. And that's what we should do. And we can't do that if we don't have the knowledge of his word. Hmm. That's why it's back to the instruction. Study to show yourself approved unto God. Hmm. A workman that doesn't have to be ashamed. Hmm. But he can rightly divide the word of truth. Meaning he can rightly interpret it. Hmm. And under the correct understanding of it. Because he's taking the time to study it. So how do we differentiate personal revelation from the written revelation that we have in the Bible? Well, if a man comes to me and he says, God has shown me this. God has told me that. that fine. Great. Wonderful. I, I listen to him. But I listen to him with the mind of the scriptures. Because he cannot say anything that's contrary to what the Bible teaches. Yes. He can't say God has revealed something to him. He has a word of revelation. But it's actually against what the Bible teaches. It can't be. It can't be. Because if it is, I totally reject it. I totally reject it. So if God has told through the mouth of prophet, if God has told Daniel, or Jeremiah, or Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Hosea, Ezekiel, um, Hosea Nahum, um, any, of Nahum any of these prophets, any of the scriptures we read in the Bible, and remember, and all, remember all, they, they are all God's word. word. Yeah? yeah. These men of these holy men of God were moved to write the things that they wrote. Right? It was the Spirit that gave them the the words to to say to preach or to write. Okay, so, so so what we have in the Bible is God's word. Yes. Now, if the Spirit gave them these words, which we have in the 66 books of the Bible, and it's the Holy Spirit who gave those words, then how can somebody else come along today and say, God has given me a fresh revelation that contradicts what the Holy Spirit already said to us in his word? Hmm. That doesn't make any sense. God hmm. is not the author of confusion. Hmm. So the prophet today, who says something that totally contradicts what Daniel said, hmm. or Elijah, or Hosea, Ezekiel, any one of them, or what Paul said, or what John said, or what Peter said, or any of the authors, how can 
the same Holy Spirit reveals something to a preacher today that contradicts what the Holy Spirit already said in the Bible to a prophet or an apostle. As what happened? The Holy Spirit changed his mind? Was the Holy Spirit wrong then when he spoke? But right now to today's prophet? No. Mm. Oh, this is this is this is silly nonsense. If any man comes, I mean, Paul put it this way to be blunt. He said, even if an angel from heaven come down, and he's preaching some other doctrine, some other message, some other teaching, than that which he already has received from the Lord and is teaching as an apostle, let him be a curse. Let mm. that angel that come, that from, angel heaven, that come from heaven, let him be a curse. Let him be a curse. So it doesn't mm. matter who so it is, the biggest, preacher, the biggest preacher, the biggest bishop or apostle, bishop or apostle the most well-known one, well one in the world. If you come with something come other than, something what, the Bible other teaches, than what the Bible teaches, you are false. You are false. You're mm. wrong. You're wrong. It doesn't necessarily mean doesn't that you, mean as, that a you minister, as a minister, is a false minister. Is a false minister. Because you may be a true minister, a true minister, but the teaching but that you're now doing, doing is wrong. Is wrong. Mm. You don't know any better. You don't know any better. You are ignorant of you it. Are ignorant of it. Mm. It's something that you were, taught, that you were in taught in seminary. seminary. Taught by your pastor. By your pastor. Who received it from his pastor before and before his pastor going back generations and generations what i call hand-me-down teaching through the generations and so you pick it up now and you believe it and you run with it and preach it but you don't know that it is wrong so you may preach an error but you is you yourself are true Mm. So, because so you are because true, the Holy, true, Spirit the Holy Spirit will bring, will bring the, truth, the truth, bring the yes. correct teaching, correct teaching. To, mm. your to your understanding, yeah. so that you can so now you can know the now truth. Know the truth. Mm. Because, because within Christianity, Christianity there's, a there's a lot of lies, lies and heresies and, heresies and false and teachings. And, teachings. and, and based, based on who we have been under and are being schooled by, who've been our leaders and pastors, we adopted, we adopted some of those teachings, teachings and we didn't really question it. Mm. We, accept we accept it because that's because what that's is taught in our denomination. denomination. Mm. But what but I, what tell, I people, tell people, never mind, mind what the denomination, what the denomination says. says, look at the look scriptures, at the scriptures for, yourself. for yourself. Yeah. See, See what, what the Bible, Bible says. says. So when you're, so when you're talking, talking to somebody, somebody you, you don't, don't have to say, well, my pastor says so-and-so. No, no. You, can say, you can say the Bible, the Bible says, says so and so. so, and so. Mm. You're quoting the scripture. You're saying what the Bible says because mm. you know because the Bible, you know for, the Bible yourself. for yourself. If you can only if say you can my, only pastor say, says, my pastor says, it means you don't know it for yourself. You, don't know it for yourself. you are quoting what he says. You are quoting what he says. But what if he's mistaken? But what if he's mistaken? What if he's wrong? Mm. What if he's wrong? Then you're gonna believe it and believe it and teach it yourself, and so you also will be wrong. And so you also will be wrong. So we have to examine the scriptures for ourselves. Examine the scriptures for ourselves. 
Yeah. And how you started about it, I know it to be a difficult conversation. When you go to your pastor or bishop so-and-so, and you says, I've been reading the Bible. And what you have been teaching on this point, on this matter, is not in line with what the Bible teaches. That is a difficult conversation to go and have. And I know people will shy away from having such a conversation such a conversation but you don't necessarily have to go and but challenge the pastor over this challenge the pastor over this you just examine the teaching that comes from him or her yeah and you look yeah. at it and evaluate it in the light of the scriptures in the light of the scriptures because the only yeah. test is the only test, the only test only is test. whether or not this preacher whether or not this preacher is preaching in line Preaching with what the Bible says. What the Bible says. They have to preach mm. what, the have to preach what the Bible says. They can't preach anything mm. different. They can't preach anything different. They can't preach anything contrary to the scriptures. Contrary to the scriptures. Because if they do, then you can because safely reject do, it. Then you can safely reject it. Let God's mm. word be true. Let God's word be true. And all men be liars. 